0: If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmouth.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. I think it's appropriate what we're doing today. Who's been to see the knife angel in Barrow? If you don't know what it is, then it's, um, it's a symbol of hope, I suppose. And basically, people from across the country have handed in blades that have been used in crime or that have been potentially used in crimes, and it's been sculpted into an angel, and people have been in, being asked to, to give, give an amnesty of their blades so that we don't see stabbing. Now, if you've been to see it, it's massive, and it's got the names of people written on some of the blades that have been victims, and the idea of that is that somebody has given something up in order to show hope, yeah? People have given things up in order to point to love. So instead of hatred, let's see love. Instead of anger and violence, let's see peace and calm. And that's what that knife angel is supposed to symbolize. The idea is that you can see it and go, wow, what an amazing sculpture. But you can also see it and be drawn to think, actually, we need more love in our world. When young people are going out on the streets armed, there's something wrong, isn't there? So actually, I think it's appropriate that we start this when we see that knife angel because it's, that's something that's been given up. And I want to start this year by teaching on something that maybe many of us don't consider and maybe has had a bad name and maybe some of us even get a little bit riled when we hear about it. Because start fast doesn't mean let's be quick, it means let's start a fast. As we begin this year, let's together as a church say actually we're going to choose to fast and feast on God. That's what a fast is, it's about turning your eyes off something that you normally have in order to focus and feast on God. So that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. It was given a bad name over the years. For about 100 years in the 19th and 20th century, there was no books written about it at all because it had such a bad name in the church because people used fasting for power or for vanity. They used it for power or for vanity. Let me give you an example. In the 80s and 90s, politically, there was quite a lot of hunger strikes, weren't there? What was the purpose of a hunger strike? Well, a prisoner would stop eating in order to try and get their way. They would stop doing something in order to twist the arm of the politicians, of the prison governor, in order to force their hand. It was about power. That was one reason Why fasting got a bad name, because it was linked to that. Stopping eating in order to gain the upper hand, to persuade powers that be to change the mind, in order to twist people's arms. That's what people sometimes consider fasting to be. Or more recently, it might be about vanity. It's been part of fad diets, hasn't it? You might think, oh yes, I'll have a fast, because then actually I might get a flatter tummy and better abs. Maybe you know eating less cream cakes and sugar will be good for me, so I'm going to do it. So it became about ourselves you know there's the daniel diet the five to two diet and it becomes something that's part of our everyday language if you've who's had something to eat before they came out today well you've broken your fast you've been asleep all night and not eaten and you've broken your fast you break fast in the morning that's why it's called breakfast don't ask me about dinner and tea no idea but breakfast is a language thing it's break fast Having eaten nothing through the night, you can get up and have a bowl of Frosties because they're great, okay? Or maybe you can have overnight oats if you're on Slimmy World, or something to break the fast that you've enjoyed over the night. So I would like to encourage you, that's all I'm doing, it's not a commandment, I would like to encourage you and us as church to say, okay, let's have three weeks of a fast where we choose to fast from something in order to feast on God. There's nothing wrong with that, we'll look through it. If you're not interested, then maybe over the next three weeks, you'll learn something about fasting. We're not just gonna talk about who's given up this, who's given up that. But actually, maybe over the next few weeks, you can think, actually, I'll consider it for Lent. But I want us to look forward and focus on God. We've looked back at the beginning today, but actually, God is calling us to say, I want you to step into my will. And many of us will say, well, what's your will? What is God's will for you? What does God want of you? Well, maybe we need to spend a bit more time focused on him. So actually having that fast, if we do it right, should help us to feast on the one that matters. We're going to look at several verses today. A fast is a break from something so we can feast on God. Not a break so our body looks better. Not to stop doing something to twist God's arm. Not to say, God, I'm going to do this and then you're going to do this for me. It's not, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Quid pro quo, none of that. It's about just us getting closer to God. If I said to you, who wants to get closer to God this morning? Surely all of us would want to put our hands up. Yeah, a few encouraging people actually have put their hands up. That's really good. But... If I said, who wants to get close to God, then surely feasting on God is a good thing, yeah? So that's the purpose of a fast, you know? It's not an, ooh, that sounds like a good way to get my body back into shape after Lindor and Biscoff all Christmas, you know? I'm going to have to start mentioning other things in my sermons, okay? So those of you who've been coming for a while, last birthday I got five jars of Biscoff, okay? I have finished them, and I've got three more now. I'm not complaining because I like it. But when I mention something, I got Lindor off St. Paul's School for playing the piano at their carol service. Big box of Lindor. I thought it was biscuits and then I opened it and went, whoa. I love Lindor chocolates. I love Biscoff. I'm going to get distracted now. But, but actually, it's not about, oh, I'm going fa- to fast so I can get back into the mood of things. I'm going to feast on God. That's the message I want you to hear today. It's not really fasting, it's feasting. It's not really fasting, it's feasting. It's not about looking spiritual on the outside either. Jesus told a parable where he talked about a tax collector and a Pharisee. The Pharisee being a religious person of the day. The tax collector being the person they thought of as being really the scum of the earth really. And Jesus said this about the Pharisee. Verses 11 and 12 in I can't remember which chapter, I've not written it down now. But anyway, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. That's a horrific prayer, isn't it? God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. That was the Pharisee's attitude. Look at me, I'm fasting, I'm giving, aren't I wonderful? Well, I didn't know this, but it says I fast twice a week. Apparently, the Pharisees used to fast twice a week on a Monday and a Thursday. Why? Because those days were market days. So actually, on a market day, they would be seen by all to be looking a bit hungry, a bit tired, a bit miserable, a bit, oh, look at me, I'm going without. So they made it all about them. And that's why fasting got a bad name, because it became all about us. More people would hear about it, more people would see it, and it's not about twisting God's arm. So, as a church, I would love us to have a, a start, to start fast. I wasn't sure which way around I'd put the words in for a minute. To so have a fast start, or to start fast because I want us as a church corporately to really feast on God as we begin 2022, as we look forward to the next 12 months. I wanna encourage you to have a think today and start tomorrow. I'm not gonna come around and check on you. I'm not gonna come around and look through your windows to see what you've got on your cupboards or whatever. I'm not gonna do that. But it's about you saying, I'm gonna choose to focus on God. John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus said this, "'My food,' said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what Jesus says, my food is to do God's will. Matt Redman turned it into a song, that if my food is to do God's will, then I'm hungry, so hungry. So this morning, are you hungry? And I don't mean, are you looking forward to your dinner, Stephen Pacey, I can see you nodding. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? If my food is to do God's will, Then I'm hungry. That has to be our catchphrase, if you like. It has to be our motto, our standard. If my food is to do God's will, then I'm going to do it. Jesus was all about focus on his Father. And if Jesus was all about focus on the Father, how more important is it for us? How much more important is it for us? Feasting on who God is, focusing on the Father. So, do we want to know God's will? Ten of you, great. Are you hungry? Yes. Do we want to fix our eyes firmly on him and be less distracted? Well, let's see how, whether we can do this together. I want to invite us all to do it from now till the end of January. And on the last Sunday this month, I'd love to hear some stories of how people's focus on Jesus has changed. I'd love to hear from some of you privately, <laughs> and maybe we can share that as a church. Not before we do it, and not go around saying, look at me, I'm fasting, but afterwards to say the difference it made to see how God has been closer to us or we've been closer to God as we've feasted on him, to hear how people's hunger has been satisfied. So what exactly is a fast? Some of you have come this morning thinking, I've not been to this church before. This is a bit of a weird one. But it's taught about in the Bible. It is taught. And before we look into details about it, let's see what Jesus, sorry, before we look into what Jesus said about it, I want to start with one fast that we all need, okay? Every single one of us in this room needs. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15 says this, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Hold fast to the teachings of Jesus hold fast. There's one fast that every single one of us in this room needs, to hold fast to the teachings of Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 3 verse 3 says this, remember therefore what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Hold it fast and repent. These are the words in Revelation of Jesus to one of the churches. Hold it fast and repent. The word repent means to turn from that way to that way. It means to turn 180 degrees. So to hold it fast and repent means to turn, to give up that and to feast on that. To fast from the past, not a blast from the past. To fast from the past and to feast on his future. That's what it's saying. So every single one of us, as we start this morning, needs to hold fast to Jesus, yeah? That's what the first fast we all have to take is. It's no good saying, I'm going I'm to focus on God and give this up. But the first fast is to hold fast to Jesus, to hold fast to his words, to hold fast to who he was, and to feast on who he is. If you've never made that commitment, then that's the first thing you need to do this morning. That's the first commitment we need to make to hold fast to Jesus to hold fast to him. Firstly, fasting was not a commandment. It wasn't ordered. There was only one fast in the whole of the Bible, in the whole of the Bible that the Israelites took regularly and that was the on the feast of atonement. That was on the day of atonement when they repented and were sorry for the things they did. They fasted for that one day. That was the only ordered fast a day where repentance of sins was the focus so in other words to hold fast and repent to repent and hold fast it's that way around isn't it repent and hold fast so it wasn't ordered or commanded but the Apostles and the early church obviously recognized the importance of it the Apostles and the early church definitely fasted and we're going to look at some of those over the coming weeks How do I know that it was an important thing to do? Well, I think the thing is to look at what Jesus said. To look at what Jesus said. He would be the authority I would go to. What did Jesus say about fasting? Well, twice, which doesn't seem like a lot, does it? He says this. In Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18, Jesus says this as part of the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to look at later in the year. So I won't do this bit then. Good, it's quite efficient, this, isn't it? Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. Jesus says this, When you fast. Not if you fast. Not maybe you'll fast. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you when you fast he says it twice when you fast he says wash your face because the People would have gone around with ash on their faces. They would have gone, look at me, I'm so, I'm so hungry, I've gone without for God. And people would notice it. It's not about that. It's not about going around every day going, oh, I can't have that cake because I've fasted from it because I'm a Christian. It's about choosing in those quiet places, in that time of our own life, to say, God, I want to fix my eyes on you. When we feel like cake, many of us think, I couldn't give up, I couldn't give up a meal or give up food, it's not good for me. Well, if you're a diabetic, there's obviously issues, I would say, Alison, maybe health issues. But generally speaking, the human body can go without food for three days. Some of you struggle to go for three, three hours without food. I know I do, you know. Three days, the human body can go without food for three days, without any problems. But I'm not saying you have to do this, by the way. Don't panic. Don't walk out yet, okay? When you fast, fasting, when Jesus talked about it and when it's taught in the New Testament, is always in conjunction with prayer and worship. It's never on its own. It's not just fasting for fasting's sake. It's fasting is connected to prayer and worship. It's never a solitary thing. It's a fast in order to feast on God. I'm going to ask you again, are you hungry? Well, feast on God. Feast on God. Over the coming weeks, we're going to look at some of the occasions where God's people fasted corporately, together, and why and what the outcome was. But the first rule of fast club is nobody talks about fast club. Okay? You're not supposed to go around saying, oh, I'm fasting. Maybe it's good to tell somebody and be accountable, so that they can support you. Maybe you can say, actually, I'm going to go without my lunch, so let's meet and pray instead. Instead of going for lunch, let's go and pray. Instead of going out for a meal, let's go and pray. But the first rule of Fast Club is, we're not doing it for outward effect or sympathy, but for inward satisfaction and desire for God. Yeah? That's what fasting is all about. The message version of the same passage in Matthew chapter 6 says this. It should come up on the screen, I think. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline, or maybe not, I did send you in the message as well. Never mind, it's okay. It's just jazz. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, there's good advice. The message version has brought it right up today. Shampoo and comb your hair. I struggle with the second bit. Brush your teeth, wash your face. That just takes me longer. God doesn't require attention getting devices. Do you hear that? That's not what fasting is about, but that's what it became. That's why it got a bad reputation. That's why the church said, no, we're not doing that because it's all about looking good. God doesn't require attention getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing, he'll reward you well. God doesn't, God God isn't interested in you twisting his arm, but he will know when you start to draw near, because what does the Bible says? When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. When we feast on him, he'll be sitting right next to us at the feast, yeah? That's what fasting is about. God doesn't need attention getting devices, but we need to learn discipline and focus. There's a really good book that has stuff about spiritual disciplines called the, i has gone out of my mind now, by Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline, that's the one. If you're interested in knowing more about any of the things that make disciples, then the Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster has loads. But discipline is a horrible word, but it's what makes us disciples. It makes us trained for good. It makes us trained for righteousness. That is what makes a disciple, discipline and focus. So you might consider having a fast. Maybe as I'm talking right now, some of you have already switched off. When I said you might have to go without, some of you have already gone, Phew, no way. But actually, you might choose a partial fast. In the Bible, there were partial fasts. Maybe go without lunch. Maybe go without something. Maybe in this day and age, it can be a fast from social media. It can be a fast from our devices. It can be a fast from all those things. There are food fasts. Daniel did a partial fast, just like eating vegetables and no meat. That was a partial fast at a time where they really needed to seek God. You might go for a food fast. Jesus in the desert, before he was ministering, had 40 days without food. That was the temptation, wasn't it? Turn these stones into bread. He obviously had water, or the temptation would have been about that. But maybe you go for a full-on fast. There are supernatural fasts in the Bible where people went for much longer than humanly possible. And that was clearly something that God ordained and that God had asked. But as I say, the body can cope for three days without food. We're just so used to snacking and grazing, aren't we? Yeah, nothing worse than a buffet. You know, And sitting next to a buffet, woof, you know, I'm gone. You just keep eating even if you don't need it. So don't think, oh, I don't know if I can do it. We think starvation hits an hour after breakfast, don't we, yeah? Starvation is a long way off, believe me. It's not if, but Jesus in his teaching, the first time we see it says, not if you fast, but when you fast. That's the first thing that I see. So to give up something, to feast on God, to fast so we feast, yeah? That's what I'm asking and encouraging. And When we feast on God, that means drawing near in prayer, reading his word, singing his praise. Fasting doesn't go on its own. It's always with prayer and worship. So what I'm asking us to do as church, if you're willing, is to say, let's do this for the next three weeks at the beginning, for the first month of this year, and say, God, what's your will for this year for me? I want to draw near to you, so you draw near to me. I want to see you more clearly and hold you more dearly. Not if. The issue isn't fasting, it's why and how. Don't do it like a hunger strike. You're not twisting God's arm. You're not saying, God, I've done this for you, so now do this for me. It's not that. It's purely about feasting on him. Don't do it with a motive of weight loss. Don't think to yourself, well, that might be good, actually, going without cake. You know, my kids, when we've given things up for Lent in the past, I know I shouldn't talk about it, that's pharisaical, but they hate it if I give up fizzy drinks because I'm the one who buys them. So actually, they're like, oh, I hate it when you do that. So actually, I've got to do something that they don't necessarily know about because I want it to be between me and God. I want to do it, not so that I can lose weight, not so I have less time to bother cooking. Maybe there's a motivation for some of you. Right, family, we're all going to fast every evening meal. That means I don't have to cook it. That's not what it's about. It's when you fast, feast on God. When you fast, don't shout about it, but do it because it's worth doing. The second thing that Jesus talked about fasting was this. In John, sorry, Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 35, it says this. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, Jesus, go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, in those days they will fast. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? I have been put into a wedding planning WhatsApp group. This wedding is probably not going to happen until at least the middle of next year and already it's going a little bit crazy, okay? I'm thinking of setting up a GoFundMe page, looking at the cost of these things. I'm thinking of selling some internal organs if anyone's interested, because it's crazy. But, wouldn't it be funny if at a wedding all of a sudden everyone went, no, we're not eating. We're just going to stand with the bride and the groom you know, and just celebrate their wedding. We're not going to eat, we're not going to do any of that. We're just going to stand with them quietly. Uh, that would be strange. Because a wedding's a celebration. Jesus says, Why would you fast when I'm here with you? And you I'm here physically in your presence. Here we see a little bit of inter follower criticism. Yeah? John the Baptist's disciples, the Pharisees, and Jesus' disciples all trying to do the right thing. But yet, actually, there's disagreement. Why are your lot eating and we're denying ourselves? And often we get that, don't we? John's disciples are saying, we fast, yet you lot are drinking and eating like it's a party. So Jesus says, well, it is, because I'm here. I'm here now with them. And Jesus says, I'm present. So why deprive yourself when you're in the presence of the Son? The bridegroom is here. But he then says, there will be a time when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Now, this has been interpreted in very different ways. Some people have said it's the period just between crucifixion and resurrection. That for the moment, for the time that Jesus was in the tomb, that was the time that Jesus wasn't there. And so they'll fast in those three days. Maybe. Some say it's the period until Pentecost. The disciples had Jesus with them and then he ascended into heaven and then Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came. And so we often talk, don't we, about being in his presence. And so some people say, oh, well, that's now. So it's Pentecost onwards. We don't need to fast because Jesus is with us. However, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go. And it's better that I go and leave you because then the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will come and be with you and in you. And you will do greater things. Jesus says, I'm not going to be here, but my spirit is. So actually... The third way of interpreting it is saying that Jesus himself says, I'm not going to be here physically present. I'm going to be gone to his disciples. It's better that I go. The apostles, as we see, after the day of Pentecost, the apostles fasted and prayed. They obviously understood Jesus' words to mean this is something that's worth doing because surely fasting and feasting on God is a good thing. Surely fasting and giving that thing up that can help you to focus on him is a good thing. They knew its value, the apostles knew its purpose, but actually fasting has been misused because it's been used for power, self-ambition or self-improvement. The only self-improvement fasting should bring is an improvement as we draw near to God and fill ourselves with more of him as we feast on more of him. That is what fasting is about. It's very technical this morning, and I'm, I'm, I recognize that as we start, but I want to encourage you, let's do this. The early church did this, and they found themselves becoming more spirit-filled because they feasted on God. So let's give it a go. Jesus, teach, teaching fasting, sits alongside and sits in the middle of his teaching. If I said to you today, should we pray? Well, one person. I'm glad one person in much Church thinks we should pray. That's very encouraging. So I'll ask again. Should we pray? Yeah. yeah. Should we give? Yeah. yeah. Do we all, are we all unanimous on that? Yeah. Well, the teaching on fasting sits in the, in the middle of those two things, sits alongside those two things, praying, giving, and fasting. They sit together. So therefore, surely, it's quite important. And yet so often, that one thing is, a, oh, I'm not sure about that. But how bad is it to say, let's not focus on that, but let's feast on God? You might say, well, we should be doing that anyway. That's easy to say, isn't it? But working, family, all those different things creep in, don't they? They take our time. We hear a lot about praying and giving, but never about fasting. So here is the challenge as I finish, honest. Firstly, if you're not a Christian this morning, hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to what he said, hold fast to his teachings, hold fast to his words, and repent. Fast from the old and feast on the new. That's the first thing. Secondly, pray. Reflect on whether you're hungry today. I don't mean physically. Reflect on whether you're really hungry for God. And over these next three weeks, ask yourself, what could I fast? Write a journal each day. Start to write a little, get a little book that you can write each day, a prayer, and write down what you think God's saying to you. Write down verses that you've read that encourage you. Let's really use this as an opportunity, corporately, to get stuck into who he is. You know, I, you know, I love food, as you can tell. I love food. And if there's a plate of food in front of me, I don't want to wait for everyone else to get theirs. I want to get stuck in because I'm hungry. But we're polite, so we wait. I wanna ask you today, God is right before you. Do you wanna get stuck in? He's the best meal you will ever eat, it says in the message version of the Beatitudes. Write a journal each day, write notes on your phone, do it so that you feast on him. Give the time you would use for that eating or that sleeping or that playing or that watching or that reading to hunger and thirst after God, to fast, to pray and to worship, yeah? That's what this series is about. The next two weeks, I'm just going to talk about issues where they fasted and we've seen the results. Not going to get technical. But I want to encourage you that feasting on God is a good thing. To hunger after God is a good thing. To fast and pray and worship is a good thing. And I we'll want to see how closer we get to the Father. Don't tell others about it unless you need them to hold you accountable to it. Maybe in connect groups we can share. Because that's a group of people. But it isn't about, look at me, aren't I good? It's about, actually, I'm doing this. You don't need to say what you're doing. You can just say, I'm doing this. And this is what God's saying as you meet each week. Maybe have a friend you can meet with and pray. Pray about our church family. Pray about the vision we shared just before Christmas. Pray about the coming year for our town and our country. Ask God what his will for you is and be satisfied by doing it. That's what a fast is about. That's what a fast start is about. If you choose not to do this, then that's fine. But maybe over the next two Sundays, as we hear the impact that fasting had on God's people and their situations, maybe you'll choose to do it for Lent till Easter. Maybe you'll choose to look at this again. Or maybe do both. Because what did Jesus say? If my food is to do God's will, I'm hungry. If my food is to do God's will, I'm hungry. So will you start this year with a fast? Will you start this year by holding fast to Jesus and looking forward to the future and how he is going to lead us? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the the things you encourage us to do. And I, I pray, Lord, that today we won't get bogged down with the technicalities But, Father God, I pray that today we will choose to to look at the next few weeks and say, how can I draw nearer to God? And it may be about more than three weeks. It may become a habit. It may become a lifestyle. It may become something we do and choose to do. But, Father God, today, help us to ask the question, what fast would you have me do? What would you have me do? Father God, help us to fast, to pray, and to worship Help us to choose to put something aside so we can fix our eyes firmly on you. So Father, I pray for anyone in this room who's never held fast to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they will choose today to start that fast, to hold fast to who the Son is. And so I pray as this new year begins, I pray as a church, we will know the benefits of our church family drawing nearer to the one who is almighty. In Jesus' name, amen.